0: Welcome to the Sisters of Industry, a weekly podcast where a shared bloodline combined with Divergent professional experiences set the stage for great conversation on doing work that matters. With Laura's global corporate experience and Jen's nonprofit startup experience, the Sisters will provide you with insights that can be used to help you lead and work better Starting now. We're here to make you laugh, make you think, and make you more industrious in your professional and personal life. I'm Laura, and I'm living my own, real-world, podcasting adult version of the movie Home Alone. Jen is off on vacation, and I'm left behind to record By myself. I just hope there isn't a tarantula waiting for me out there somewhere in this house, and unlike Kevin, I will not be watching Dirty Angels and scaring myself to death. Yes, folks, it is true. This is the episode you haven't been waiting for the one where the sister from the north gets to rant all alone. Not really. Fear not. I bring you tidings of great comfort. Today, I'm going to be helping you prepare for the end of year finish you can be proud of. We'll be focusing first on what it means to finish well and then talking about how to show genuine year-end appreciation to your team and others that have been supporting you through this entire year. Appreciation that is lasting and meaningful. And just in case you're worried you'll be tired of my sultry solo tones, I have a special guest joining me on Memory Lane. Let's go. Thanks for joining me today, everybody. In a twist of the bizarre, I'm going to be spending some time talking to myself today, something my family might tell you I do way too often. But I hope that you enjoy getting the opportunity to hear some standalone thoughts just from me today. I definitely miss Jen though. This is very awkward not to have a partner to go back and forth with or at least someone to laugh when I make really stupid jokes. So today I'm gonna have to imagine that all of you are reacting on the other side of the speaker in your car or in the AirPod you're listening to while you walk as I talk through this. Today I'm excited. We are going to talk about finishing strong. We're at that time of the year where we're all approaching this kind of natural calendar-based finish line that gets us really reflective and thinking about where the year brought us. And a lot of times, quite honestly, really quickly jumping ahead to where we're going in the new year. So my first lesson of today is stop, collaborate and listen. Is anybody laughing? Okay. Okay. Ice is back for a brand new edition. In this case, this is Laura, and here's what my new edition contains. I want you to pause, and let's take time to finish this year strong before we get caught up in what we're going to do in the new year. So I wanna give you five things to very specifically consider as we approach this calendar-based end to the new year. The first one is a little on the nose, but I really wanna be sincere about it, and it's that we need to take time to reflect on what happened as opposed to what you intended in this year. So let's not just have that moment where we go, oops, I said I was going to, and I didn't, I'm the worst let's try again next year. What I really wanna encourage everybody to do is let's go back. Let's talk about and think about, maybe get a partner that you can sit down over coffee and talk this out with. What were your goals for the year 2021? And how did you do against them? And there's a couple things I really want you to look for when you're considering your progress in 2021. First, celebrate the wins. I know they're out there. This is an obvious one, but make sure you take time to celebrate the wins. Don't let the thing you accomplished go unspoken or be a given already. You worked hard. You achieved a goal. Take time to recognize that you did that before you get moved into wallowing about what didn't happen or before you move into setting new goals, having forgotten that you already had a pretty darn good year. So take that time in reflection first. Second, I want you to consider this. Goals are made to be broken. Can we say that? I think we can say that. If Jen were here, she would tell me I could say it as long as I justify the statement. So goals are made to be broken. When we set goals at the beginning of a year, at the beginning of a fiscal quarter, um, at the beginning of a training period, maybe for a long run or for some other activity, that goal is intended to be broken a lot of times. It might be because we overachieve it in some way, shape or form. So maybe you say, I want to run a half marathon in under two hours and you go out and you run that sucker in one 1st First, I'm jealous, you go girl or guy. Second, you've broken that goal, but in all the best ways and that's awesome. Second, sometimes goals are meant to be broken because the path that you set out maybe was overly idealistic or just not the right path for you. Just because the goal did not turn out as you originally intended or maybe you didn't take the path to hitting that goal you originally intended does not mean you did poorly or it was bad. Sometimes the alternative route is full of lessons and opportunities you may have missed if you had been just following a plan without paying attention to everything that was happening around you. So how are you going to pause? See how you got to your goals, whether it's the goals you missed or the goals you made or the goals that you have in flight. What path did you take? And what can you learn from those changes in path? Maybe you found out For example, that you need people to achieve goals. A lot of times, and I'll use the example of weight loss because it's one I've really personally worked hard at. You all have heard too much about it already, but I've worked hard at it in the last two years. And when you set out on a weight loss goal, that's one of those things that a lot of times you make very personally. If you're a chick, you do not want to tell people what you weigh, and I totally get that. You may not want to take the pictures of yourself in the mirror of your before. But these are important steps, not only to take, but to share with others and not just for accountability, but because you need encouragers that go with that accountability along the way. You need people you can talk to when you hit a roadblock. You need to know that there's other people that have some similar struggles that you can talk things through with. You need that interaction. So maybe something you learned is you need people. Conversely, on some of your goals, you may have found out that you don't need people or that you need to take some things on more personally, because maybe trying to do something through delegation or trying to do something in a group was not effective for you. When I think about this, when I think about writing, I know there are a lot of people that set goals to maybe write a book or get their book started. And maybe one of the things they go and do is join a writing group, which is good for some people. It drives accountability. Hey, I got to have a chapter written by the time we meet next Wednesday, or, hey, these folks are going to one to know how my ideas are developing, but you might find out that that group is leading you to write something maybe different than what you intended, or maybe it's such a social experience. And this is definitely me showing my true colors. If something is overly social, I get distracted from the goal because I am all about the talking and the people time and the discussion, right? So learn from these things. And I hope these examples are helping you. But the first thing I want you to think about in finishing strong, I'm going to restate it, is take the time to reflect on what happened and why it happened and what you can learn from that. Number two, when it comes to finishing strong, I'm bringing out the grace word, guys. I know you are not shocked. Please make sure you are giving yourself grace. Take the lessons that go with the things that didn't go as intended and then run forward. So I'm going to tell you right now, I am on year two, and I know between now and the end of the year, this is not going to change. I am on year two of taking a swing and a miss on a very clearly stated goal. In fact, one that I've publicly stated on this podcast as a goal and then a recast goal. It's the one where I've said I'm going to put together some online courses that I can put out there to publish for folks to help with some of their communication and team leadership skills. I keep saying, I'm going to do it. I'm just not doing it. But I can tell you right now for better or for worse, I'm going to give myself grace on this one. You might think that that's giving myself an out, but I really believe that there's a reason I've been missing out on that goal. And one of the things we all need to do, and this is a different kind of reflection. This is a grace based reflection. This is where I say, I missed it. Is that okay? In this case, for me, it is okay, because I understand the reason. And I know also what do I want to apply to it in the coming year. But you need to ask yourself some really hard questions as part of this grace period, right? Did you overextend yourself and you need to give yourself grace? Did you give yourself a goal that doesn't align with where your passions are or where life is taking you and you need to be willing to let it go? Maybe that goal sounded really good when you put it on that index card at some small group gathering last January. Or maybe that goal sounded really good when you told your spouse it was something you were going to do. Or maybe it is a goal that you thought went really well with something you wanted to achieve or your public persona. But maybe it's not really where your passion lies or what God has intended for you and your life. And I'm going to say, take time to really say, one, I give myself grace for not achieving that goal. And two, really understand if that's a goal you ever should have set for yourself. Take that lesson and move it forward into the new year. Number three on finishing strong. And this is where I want to be very clear. No regrets. We're going to restate the opportunities we have, but no regrets. So a few minutes ago, I cautioned you that we were going to take some time to reflect on our goals and to give ourselves grace and some other things before we allowed ourselves to wallow in what did not happen. And here's where I'm going to tell you, stop the wallowing no regrets. This is a little bit of tough love with just me. Jen is not here to put the throttle on me and pull me back a little bit. So you're getting the hardcore tough love, Laura. There's no room for wallowing in a goal setting behavior and in finishing the year strong. Wallowing in it does you no good. It's one thing to reflect as I previously discussed, but lamenting, beating yourself up, saying what could have been, and and yet not using that information, that's what wallowing in. Wallowing is the negative form. Wallowing is when you don't allow yourself to see the lesson and you just see the failure. There is no room for failures and for wallowing when we are finishing a year strong. And the other thing I want you to remember as we pursue this no regrets philosophy with finishing strong, is that something that didn't happen for you this year, if it was the right goal, one where you deserve grace and an opportunity to restate, you also have the opportunity here potentially for some low-hanging fruit for next year. So I'm going to go back to my example where I said I had this goal that I was going to get some courses prepared and even published over the last two years. Have I done it? No, I could wallow in that and say, oh my gosh, I'm such a failure. I say I'm going to do things. It's so embarrassing. Where's my motivation? Instead, the opportunity I also have is to say, wait, I have some low hanging fruit for 2022. I have some partners in crime that really understand what goes on in this part of our economy and in this way of getting your message out there that can help me fast forward into this area of my work in 2022. I also have already done a lot of initial brainstorming and a lot of the early work necessary to start to make this happen. The initial work is in place. So how can I turn around and say, not only am I going to achieve this in 2022, I'm going to treat it as something that's and ready for an early knockout. I just went from wallowing in a perceived failure to motivated by an opportunity to excel and excel quickly. So let's move our wallowing to well wishes. That didn't work, did it? I was trying to alliterate there a no-go. But I think you get the point. No regrets, no waddling. Let's move into this year recognizing we have some low-hanging fruit. So number four, We're still finishing the year strong. And here's what I want you to think about with lesson number four. Part of the finish is the rest you take after the finish line. So here I do want you to picture a race. I know it's hilarious that Jen's not with us today, and yet I'm still going to bring forward a racing metaphor. Think about when you see others I know it's not me, but you see others finish a marathon, for example, they get across that finish line, the getting through the ribbon, crossing under the big finish line banner, whatever the case might be. The work is not done. And what do you see them do in the next moments? You see them receiving and exchanging congratulations. You see them refueling both literally and figuratively. You see them resting, in some cases rather dramatically, falling over to the ground, in some cases carted away even. But you see that moment of rest. You see that moment of reflection sometimes happen very quickly. The point is, the finish was not at the actual finish line. Part of the process is that rest, the food, the fellowship, the literal stretching to prepare you for the next go. If you have not built into your plan for finishing the year strong, the opportunity to get some rest and some refuel, some reflection, you're probably missing an opportunity. And you're also putting yourself in a situation where you're going to struggle as you move from finishing strong to starting strong in the new year. So I would encourage you very clearly, make sure as you approach the finish line and you follow through past the finish line, that your finishing strong process for 2021 calls for the afterline time to really finish strong and set yourself up for another strong beginning. Finally, lesson number five for finishing strong as we come to the end of this year. And it is exactly this, a reminder, the year is not over. And we all need to make good use of what we have left for the year. So might I remind you, the day this podcast publishes, there will be four and a half weeks left in the year 2021. There will be four weekends, which is when a lot of us get this goal work done. There will be five Mondays. I bring you great hope. A Monday does not have to be a bad thing. That means there are five fresh start days. Instead of dreading the Mondays, put those Mondays to good use. You have five of them in some Freakish, bizarre twist of the way the calendar works this year. You have five of them in December. Let's make good use of them. There is still opportunity, even if that opportunity is in the preparation for starting next year stronger. So, folks, I hope this has helped you begin your reflection process for 2021 and also motivate you a little bit to think about how you can finish strong for 2021. Stand by for some real talk. We're here on Memory Lane with a special guest. Mama is here for the holiday edition of Memory Lane. Mom, today I'm going to get you to a place where you're baking cookies. Are you ready to bake cookies in your mind? I am ready, even more not in my mind, but let's get at it. Okay. You well, and you can go bake cookies when we're done with this. What I'm thinking about is epic cookie baking. I have this very clear memory as a child of having open houses. At, the, at Christmas time, where you essentially, you and dad invited pretty much the entire congregation of the church we were serving. Is that fair? Like it was an open invitation, come to the preacher's house
1: for a little holiday gathering. That's right. We just invited the church, it was an open invitation, and we made lots and lots of cookies.
0: and. So in my head, there were like 3 billion people there. How many people actually showed up for these
1: open houses? Well, it was over uh, a number of hours, But not everyone definitely would come. But I would say at at our early years, there would have been up to 100. In and out during the the time. Okay, so 100
0: people. So not 10,000 like I was thinking. No. I know. I also remember that part of the fun was that grandma and grandpa would come and help because it was definitely an epic undertaking. I even feel like there were years where Aunt Gloria came and helped, though I'm not entirely positive about that. But I feel for some reason, I think it might be that I remember that they also did an open house um, and that they were also preparing for similar things. So there would be a lot of discussion about all the cookie baking. So for 100 people, come and go. Clearly, I remember cookies. I'm sure there was other food. What were the like top three cookies that people went nuts for?
1: Well, top three, I would say Candy Kiss cookies. Which um, to some people is known as the peanut butter blossom. Yes. Okay. The peanut butter blossom for sure. And always, always a chocolate chip goes okay. pretty far. And I'm not sure,
0: um, probably, hmm. What about Grandma Brown's haystacks that I remember would oh. disgust, but I feel like you well, either loved them or hated them.
1: I was going to say, they had coconut in, so it was one of those love-hate relationships. So, but they usually went pretty well. She always brought... Broad haystacks. If you love
0: coconut, you love it. John loves coconut. I find coconut to be personally revolting, but you know, I guess if you love it, you'll love it. So I remember that going well. Okay. So I remember a lot about the cookies. I particularly remember, and I think you would realize this because parents know everything, even when kids think they're sneaking. I remember that all the cookies were in their containers staged in the laundry room off the kitchen. Like there were tons of cookies there. Mm -hmm. And we thought we were so smart because we would sneak into the laundry room and eat cookies, you know, just sitting there chowing down on cookies. You probably fully realized we were hiding. And sneaking cookies to our bedrooms and doing all those things, right? Yes. yes. Okay. We knew that
1: was happening.
0: What other main food event was there? Because in my mind, this was all about sugar and cookies. Was there anything well, else going on? Well,
1: we also used to do um, meatballs. Oh, yeah. We used to do meatballs and and little hot dogs, the little hot dogs. I love that. I still do those. Yes, we we did those. And there was always candy. I mean, it was definitely sweets, but then we always made fudge and I made um, different kinds of candy things. Brad's mother was always, um, she made slivered almonds. And she always made some of those for us to share. And these were always a big hit. And you've continued that tradition
0: because my husband and Clark, my brother in law, Jen's husband, are huge fans of the slithered almonds so you have to make buckets of those every Christmas just for them to eat them in like 37 seconds flat Um, with the rest (laughs) of us pretending we're not helping along the way so okay lots of good food and open housing I love this part of our holiday traditions and it's going to speak to what I'm going to cover in the next section of the podcast today it was a great way to show people that you cared and they were loved and they were welcome and a really nice way that you and dad showed that love and fellowship to the entire community within our church um, in a very practical way of inviting them over a very personal way to allow people in your home. And actually John and I carry on our own version of that tradition with our own Christmas Eve brunch that we like to do every year. We've just started doing that. We used to just invite one family over for brunch every Christmas Eve and we'd pick a different family every year. But it's kind of morphed into since we moved back to York. I think we had 60 people the last one we did before that, COVID. That one so you had a
1: lot of people it was I a pretty
0: solid it. Gathering of folks that <laughs> For we For Christmas had. Eve. I know, on Christmas Eve. That's part of what I love about it. It's a Christmas Eve brunch. I figure everybody's thinking, hey, someone else can feed me before I have to do all the big meals tonight and tomorrow. So, needless to say, I think one of the most special things about Christmas and a memory that I have as a child and now that we carry forward is those special gatherings. Getting people together wasn't about presents, definitely a little bit about the food. No shame, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So, another thing that we always made that was always a big hit was the hot cider. The hot cider with cranberry and oranges floating. Oh, yeah. That was always part of our gathering. and People seemed to, to really like that. Oh, along yeah, with, people definitely Along like with that. punch and other drinks, but yeah. hot cider was always part I of love that. it. Those are special memories. Okay, Mom,
0: so thanks for joining us on Memory Lane. For those of you who are thinking about a special way to show some folks in your life you care and maybe you don't know what to buy, a subtle suggestion that that two or three hour, come on over for some hot cider and cookies and some meatballs is a lovely way to let people know that you're special in their lives without having to buy a gift. It's a different kind of labor of love but i think one that goes a long way at the christmas season so thanks for sharing mom on memory lane today merry christmas everybody hello friends welcome back i hope that you all enjoyed hearing mom and i talk a little bit about the holiday open houses of our childhood and even the ones that we throw today Um, It's such an exciting and wonderful thing to think about the ways that we can bless others at the end of a year as we're in this holiday season, and that is at front of mind, and also the ways that others have blessed us over the course of the year. And one of the things that I want to make sure each of us as industrious leaders are pausing to think about— Right now, in the early weeks of December, before we reach the end of the year, is how we put the festive finishes on our year, hence this episode title of the festive finish line. And by festive finishes, I mean making sure that you are including, taking time to thank those that have maybe not just come along for the ride with you, but have maybe driven you on this ride that we've called 2021. Maybe they've even kicked, pushed, prodded, shoved, pushed, pulled, all of the above, whatever their role has been, there are none of us do this alone. And I know that some people might think and feel sometimes like they are doing things alone, and they're living a lonely life. But I'm pretty confident that by the time I'm done talking us through this festive finish and taking time for others, you're going to realize that there are people that are there helping you if you look hard enough, and if you're willing to see it, And it's important at this time of year, especially, that you take the time to properly acknowledge and thank those people for the role they have played in getting you to this finish line of 2021 and helping propel you into 2022. So these people can be a lot of places. I would tell you to look everywhere. Look in your neighborhood, look in your church, look in your gym, look in your workplace, look in your own household, ladies and gentlemen. But there are people all around you that have made the things you've accomplished in this year possible. So first thing we need to be doing is making our list and checking it twice. Yes, I'm going for the cheap holiday joke there. Make your list. Who are the people that you need to put the really thoughtful thank you touch to the end of the year on? That is incredibly important for each one of us. And then I want you to think about the fact that this is not a list that is about giving or getting things. This is about genuine personal reflection. So maybe you just made a list. I hope you paused the podcast. If you didn't, go ahead and hit pause. Who belongs on this list for you? Build the list. Once you have that list, think about what it means to actually genuinely reflect back to them what they've done for you in the year and how important they are to you in your life. That doesn't mean you buy a gift. It could mean you buy a gift or that you make a gift and that you give them something, something meaningful and special that ties to their meaning in your life. But this is not about getting a $25 Target gift card. It could be, sometimes there's a time and a place for that, but a lot of times what we're going for here is what can we do that is genuine and that is personalized, that really speaks into the heart of those people that have been on this ride with you. And in order to do that, I'm gonna encourage everyone to use the old keep it simple. Simple gestures are often the most meaningful gestures. Let me say that again. Simple gestures are meaningful gestures. So as you consider how to acknowledge and appreciate these people that are coming across the finish line with you, I would encourage you, don't be focused on the fancy. This isn't about the best gift or the gift that stands out the most because it was the fanciest or the frilliest. This is about doing something personal and meaningful. Part of that is being really specific as opposed to being overtly sentimental. So instead of using that generic, I'm so thankful for you, or as I reflect on my year, I know I couldn't have done it without you. What I want you to do is think about how to be incredibly specific as you acknowledge these folks. So maybe you've had them over to your home for a nice dinner. Maybe you're having a dinner of five very important people that have come through this year with you. You're taking the time to prepare a meal, which is a very personal thing for them. And you want to take the opportunity maybe one-on-one during appetizers or as the evenings Going to a close, or in some other way, to just tell each of them very specifically how they've touched you and helped you in this past year. I would also tell you that this is important if you are a manager or a leader in your organization. Being specific and making one-on-one gestures are incredibly important. So let's walk an example for the Sisters of Industry. One of the heroes and biggest supporters of this podcast and of Jen and I personally is our friend John Johnson. It would be very easy for me to say, we're so thankful for you, John. Have a Merry Christmas. It's a lovely, heartfelt sentiment. But that is not the sentiment that I want John to hear from Jen and really from me in this moment as we come to the end of 2021. What I want John to hear is, John, we really appreciate the way you take the time every time we release a new episode of Sisters of Industry to put something on your Instagram story about the episode and to specifically note a lesson or two you got from the episode as you encourage others to listen and learn as well. Those specifics and the care you put into those posts means a lot to us. You're better at social media than we are for ourselves. Do you see what I did there folks? And I do hope that John is listening to this episode and knows that while this is an example that I'm throwing out there, the thought and the sentiment is extremely sincere. We're really thankful for what John does for us. But instead of John hearing, we're so thankful for you, a lesson that could be copied and pasted to 10 different people, John heard why we're thankful for him. This isn't just important in December because it's the end of a calendar year, folks. This is an important principle to use all the time. It applies to performance feedback. So I think we've talked in the past about giving coaching feedback to our teams, and this is a great example of how feedback becomes more meaningful, right? Instead of saying, hey Jim, thanks for being on the team, or I'm so glad you're on the team, Jim. It's really helpful to say, hey Jim, I really appreciate the way you always encourage others to offer their ideas before you move a conversation along. Or, hey, Jim, I really appreciate that you always send out action items after a meeting to hold us all accountable and to ensure we've made good use of that time. Taking the time to be specific as opposed to overly sentimental actually is an opportunity to make the most meaningful imprint on the heart and mind of the person that you genuinely want to hear from you at this time of year. So I would encourage all of you, as we're coming towards this festive finish to 2021, as you're thinking about finishing the year strong, and as you're considering the ways in which you're going to reach out to the people that have been so important to you in this journey we call life along this year 2021, take the time not just to make the list, but put beside each name why were they such an important person to you in this moment and consider the opportunity to be specific with them and to make a simple gesture and I assure you this will resonate with them not only during the warm beautiful light and the loveliness that is this holiday season but well into the year and the years to come. We're back with some real talk, and today I want to introduce you to the book that Jen and I will be reading and discussing as our Reading with the Sisters January Selection. In our episode that will air on January 4th, Jen and I will be discussing the latest book from our friend Carrie Newhoff, entitled At your best. I have not read it yet. I'm really excited to spend some time in the next few weeks reading this book and getting some insights from it. I'm super excited because specifically one of the things that this book is built to help you do is to, and I quote here, build a life that you no longer want to escape. Instead, you might actually start loving it. End quote. I'm really excited because in this book, what Carrie Newhoff has done is laid out the ideas that he has used to teach leaders for years about how to build a strategy that lifts them out of what he calls the stress spiral and allows them the time and the space and the ability to do the things they really want to do. Not just professionally, like growing their organization, but also things like launching new careers and even being more present at home with your family and with your friends. I'm super excited about the opportunity to read this book. I would encourage all of you, if you've not finished that Christmas list yet, get this book at your best on the list. Make sure that Santa delivers it, or someone that loves you puts this under the tree for you. And we look forward to discussing it in our first episode of the new year airing January 4. Again, that's Carrie Newhoff's book At Your Best. Let's read it and get to some more real talk. And with that said, let me also say on behalf of the Sisters of Industry that we are thankful to you, our listeners, to every single one of you that takes the time to tune in, to hear what we have to say, to those of you that provide feedback to our Instagram posts or that take the time to email us and let us know what you learned from the episodes that we put out there. For those of you that let us know what else you'd like to hear from us and give us great ideas for new episodes, we're so thankful for you. And we look forward to talking to you again in two more episodes before the end of this awesome, festive, fabulous 2021.